There we go. Okay. Sorry about that. Let's move on to we'll move on to next session here in the book. We looked at introduction. Now we're going to talk about dedicate it all to God. We need to dedicate it all back to God. First Chronicles 29, 11 says it like this. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Riches and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and it is all yours. It, it is all at your discretion that people are made great and given strength. So in other words, it, it, it's all yours, God. You decide who will be great. You determine where our strength comes from. So we dedicate everything we have now back to you. This is the most, this is a major, the, the major point of this session here is this, is this first blank here. God owns everything. That's right. That first blank there is owns. God owns everything. God wants to teach us godly principles on how to use the money that he's given us. So we say God owns everything. Really, in reality, you are his money managers. And if you want to break it down a little more, it's we are his stewards. We are the guardians or administrators or trustees of what God has given us. We really own nothing. Let, let, let me prove this to you through the word. Deuteronomy 8.18 says it like this. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth or to get wealth. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declareth the Lord. Haggai 2 and 8. Psalms 24.1 says it like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it also. 1 Corinthians 6.19. You are not your own. You are bought or with a price. So if we're bought with a price, we're not our own. When God tells us to do something with the finances he's given us, he's not really requiring anything of us because he's not asking of us to do with what you have. He says, no, I want you to use that that I've lent you. Come on, that's good. This principle here, the Okonomiya principle, all that we are and all that we have belongs to God. He has temporarily entrusted us, underlined temporarily, entrusted us to you entrusted it to us to use and manage according to his wishes, underline his. Not to how we want to use it, but how he tells us to use it. So in other words, all that you have and all that you are belongs to God. Stewardship. Stewardship of God's property is not just about money. We are stewards of all these gifts as well. What's the first gift we're supposed to be a good steward of? Time. Teach us to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. Psalm 90 and 12. Secondly, we are, we are stewards of our spouses. Proverbs 19, 14 says it like this. A prudent wife is from the Lord. Amen? So we are, we, we're stewards of our time, of our spouses. We're also stewards of our children. Psalm 127 and 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Sometimes you may feel like your children are a reward. They <laughs> run you up a tree sometimes, but you think about it, I wouldn't trade them for anything. That's right. Would not trade them for anything. We're also not only stewards of our children, of our spouses, of our time, but also stewards of money. 
And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, in other words, if you can't handle worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's money, who shall be trusted with the money of your own? Mm, Luke 16, 11. Why should you be trusted with your own money when you can't take care of anyone else's? The Bible says if you can't run your own house well, how can you run God's house well? If you can't keep your financial house in order, how can God trust you to keep his financial house in order? That's what he's saying in layman terms there. So we're to be good stewards over our children, over our money, over our spouses, over our time, but also over the spiritual gifts that God has entrusted to us. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. If something's going through you, that means it does not stop with you. You pass it on to someone else. If I always have my hands closed, sure, I won't lose what's in my hands, but I don't give God opportunity to put anything else in my hand. So if I want God's greatness and God's generosity to flow through me, I've got to always have my hands open so that as God gives me, I have what God gives me, but I'm also able to give to others. So we've got to always walk with our hands and our hearts open so the generosity of God can flow through us and can flow into someone else. So we have to be good stewards of spiritual gifts, of money, our children, our time and our spouses. Also, we have to be good stewards of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says it like this. People should think of us as servants of Christ and managers who are entrusted with God's mysteries. Managers are required to be trustworthy. Managers are required to be trustworthy. Lastly, he said we need to be stewards of our time, of our spouses, of our children, of our money, of our spiritual gifts, good, good, good stewards of the gospel. Lastly, we're going to be good stewards of people. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. Titus 1 and 7. In other words, that, that one that carries the gospel, that one that stands and proclaims the word, must live by example. Not do because I say do, but no, do as I do, because as I do, I do it unto the Lord. So we've got to learn to be good stewards of those things. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation Variation or shifting shadow, James 1.7. In order to get God's principles, you must understand and embrace the fact, the fact here that God owns everything. Right. Let me tell you, let me say that again. In order, to get God, in order to get God's principles, you must embrace and understand the fact, first of all, that God owns everything. If you don't get this one, you'll never learn how to let stuff flow through you. Because when I recognize that what I have is not mine, I understand that what I'm giving away wasn't mine in the first place. But as I give it away, I'm only preparing myself to receive something else. So we have to understand that everything belongs to God. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of a steward that one be found trustworthy. That point you can't say enough. You have got to be trustworthy. People have got to know that they can trust you. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I will follow you if I know I can trust you. But if I have to watch my back and wonder, what are you going to do when I'm not looking? I'm really not committed to you. But when I know I can trust you and we can connect, I know you got my back, whether I'm down on the ground or whether I'm standing above. So we've got to be found trustworthy. Five reasons that we dedicate it all to God in the first place. Number one, it all belongs to him. Oh, if we would ever get this principle here that it's all his in the first place. Number two, you are his money managers. That's when you got to stop sometime and take a self-inventory and say, okay, God, I'm your money manager. If you would come down and sit at my dinner table tonight and ask me to lay out the portfolio, would you be pleased with what you saw? That's what it comes down to. Not would you be pleased based on what man thinks, but would you be pleased based on what you've told me to do? That's where the accountability really is. Yeah, we need church secretaries and church treasurers and trustees or financial teams or accounting teams. But the bottom line, if God came down and said, lay open the books of foundation, Christian ministries, would God look at the books and say, you know what? I'm pleased with what you're doing. Now, so often for God to say he's pleased, you got to make some people upset because they want it to be about their agenda. But when you establish the house that is God's agenda, guess what? Those who get upset... Let God deal with them. But make sure when God looks at the books, he can say, you know what? You're on the track I set you on. So it all belongs to him. We're his money managers. Number three, you can't serve two masters. Choose ye whom this day. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And money has become so many people's masters. Number four. You can make an impact on eternity. When you learn to dedicate it all to God, you recognize it belongs to him. We recognize that we're just his money managers. We can't serve two masters. When we dedicate it all to God, that we can make an impact on eternity. And lastly, God blesses that which we dedicate to him. Think about it. God blesses. God blesses that which we dedicate to him. And we, we, when we looked at the worldly system versus God's system, we found out that the first thing we are to do is dedicate back to God what? Our tithe. That's the first thing. And if God says, I bless that that you dedicate, in other words, he says, your blessing, your blessing is really hanging on your obedience. And if that's where my blessing is hanging, I want to make sure I do and dedicate it back to him. So therefore, I know that the blessing that comes with it, I'll get it in due season. So we have to recognize that. That your blessing, God blesses that that we dedicate back to him. This is the wisest financial decision you can ever make. To do finances in a way that honors Christ. Make the decision to give it all back to him because it, it's all his in the first place doesn't matter how you look at it all of this belongs to God throughout this workbook there's a ton of worksheets there's a um, there's a there's a perfect there's a um, personal financial profile that that you can fill out there's a thing that there's one section that is record-keeping it's all in there that you that the challenges that you write down every time you spend anything you write that down on a piece of paper for a week even if you spend 75 cents on a piece of gum, 
And then at the end of the week, you go back and you look at that sheet, you and your spouse, or if you're single, just you yourself. And you check off and say, the things that I really didn't need. When you track your finances, then you make better financial decisions because you ask yourself the question, did I really need that? And we, we, we do that in the class, the um, transaction record. We just sit there and we, I give them out and they just fill them out. Every time you make a purchase, you keep the receipt and you fill it out. It's tedious, but it makes you think before you spend. And these sheets are in the book. But you, we, the challenge I give them is for a week. The first week of class, they do that. And then after that, they do it the rest, because we go 10 weeks long, then for all 10 weeks. So they bring in like, some people may bring in small sheets because they don't spend a lot. Others who don't have it under control, they may bring in a notebook of transaction reports. But when you track what you're spending, then you know where your money's going. But then you question, you say, you know, do I really need to buy that right now? You ask yourself that question. It's a great, ex it's a great exercise to do. And we can talk about that more, because it, 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 it's all in the book right there. But then, then it talks about your personal financial profile. You need to know where you, you, need to know where you stand. You need to know, how, how, how are my finances? Turn to page 22. Talks about the profile. I'll read about this worksheet, and you guys can look at it later. This worksheet is designed to give you a current picture of your financial situation. Accountants would refer to it as a balance sheet. That's what we call it when we're doing numbers. It's a balance sheet. For the purpose of this study, it's necessary to, 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 you don't have to take it down to the penny, it says, but I tell people get as close as you can. It gives you a best, it give a best estimate of the value of your assets, what I own. You need to know what you own. Or my liabilities, what I owe. Look at your most recent statement of each debt to find the most accurate figures. Record all your debt, all your debt, and then enter the subtotals in the appropriate box. To calculate your net worth, subtract your total debt from your total assets. Don't be discouraged if you owe more than you own. And that's the case in so many situations. We owe more than we own. But these are great exercises because if, for me, I'm the type I like to write it down and see it. If I can get people to write it down and see that they're in debt over their eyeballs, you got their attention. But if you never balance your checkbook, if you never write down, if you go, you know, the little swipe bank cards were the worst thing they could ever make. Because people swipe, 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 stick the receipt in the pocket, don't ever write, you gotta write them down somewhere. I keep it in my head. And now technology, you can go to your phone and pull up your bank account and see how much you got in the bank. They're making us lazy for a purpose. So it will be submitted to somebody else. No, you should know yourself. You shouldn't. That's crazy. Yes, sir. Yeah, one of, one of the things I saw is, uh, is, you know, you just mentioned the phone thing. You talked about, you know, how people look at the, the phone. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, I find myself sometimes when I go, because I'm one of those phone people, I can go and think. And, you know, and I'm always looking at the bottom line instead of actually looking at, each expenditure. Each expenditure. And, and so it does make you lazy because, you, can, you know, because you look at, okay, how much I got instead right. of saying, okay, looking through there and thinking, okay, did I need this? And, you know, at least having that, you know, that, that time where you just kind of look at it, reflect, and exactly. think it over. Now, we just don't do that till you know, um, you know, when it's time to sit down and do it. But right. the point of it is, is that we could do a whole lot better with just. I recommend you do it maybe every other week 
or twice a month, or if you're having financial difficulties, do it every week. See, because you know when people, when people really do it, when they go to the phone, they pull it up, and they scroll all the way to the bottom, and it says negative. Then they go back and start looking through each one. I didn't, did I really spend? Because when you spend like that and don't track it, you don't pay. We had this conversation. I used to be a Starbucks drinker. I figured I was spending $600 a year on coffee. That's the only example I got right now. Because of my friend. That, I mean, I figured out, you know, I, I, took, I actually did this in the class. I said, okay, I spend five, I say $5, for example. And I say if I go twice a day, that's $10 on coffee. If I go five days a week, that's $50. If I take $50 times 52 weeks, thank you, five times two is 10, five times one is uh, 25, 26. Did you do the math on that for me, Pastor Gary? No, I didn't. Actually, I was, I was doing the math on my Starbucks since you mentioned it. <laughs> well, let me see. Take 52 times 50, zero, zero, five times two is 10, carry to one, five times five is 25. You know how much that, that comes out to be for coffee? $2,600 a year. $2,600 a year. Yes, sir. Wow. Now you can't, no, no, now, but see, let me help you, brother, because what is her, what is her thing that she likes to spend on that you could cut back on? I'm very frugal. Oh, brother, you get ready to be out there by yourself now. <laughs> but think about it. Okay, that's $2,600 a year. And just say, for example, really like coffee, and you lose track. Say you do that for seven years. I know people who spend money like that. That's $18,200 you spent on coffee oh. over, over, over seven years. Wow. $18,000 for coffee. Uh. You could have bought a Jetta. My daughter loves Jettas. <laughs> you could have paid a, a, a year of college. You could have most of all paid off a lot of bills. Mm -hmm. Wow. But see, if you don't sit there and look at that transaction, because what got me is when we start doing the transaction report, you know, you look up and... You do the first week and you got 10 Starbucks receipts. You got to say, wait a minute, something's not right here. So you need to do those transactions. You need to do those. Fill them out every day. I kept one in my car. Because everything I asked the class to do, I filled out also. And so every time you go to the store, you buy something, write it up there. If I bought a pack of gum, I'd write 99 cents for a pack of gum or a dollar for a pack of gum. And when you look at what you're spending, it makes you say, well, did I really need that? Or could I do without that? That's really, that's really the purpose of it. So I'm not saying, I'm not down in Starbucks or anybody else. I'm just saying I can only give you the examples that I've, sorry, that I've had to walk through myself. <laughs> so if Starbucks is your thing or whatever, and it may be something else you're spending it on. You know, we knew a couple that, we sat down with them and their thing was movies, Netflix or wherever they rented from. And I mean, they were spending like $1,000 a month on movie rentals. I'm like, how do you have that much time to watch TV? <laughs> but see, people sign up like the service, Netflix. $16.95, get all the movies you want to de deliver to your Wii or to your TV. Wow. See, if you don't watch a movie that whole month, you just gave somebody $16 for nothing. Wow. That's how they get you because it sounds cheap. Because the first thing they'll say, well, if you go to Blockbuster and rent four, you've already spent more. Right. But what if you go a month and don't watch any of those movies? I just gave you $16 of my hard-earned money, money for nothing. 
I don't know about y'all, but I work too hard to give my money away. That's what we have. That's, that's why we got to write this down. That ends that session. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back. Let's regroup from the start.